Amen. Did you come to receive today? All right. Now, you know what happens when you come to receive, right? You receive. Amen. Hallelujah. See, a lot of times you can come and not come with receptive. You know, you're not receptive, but you're usually going to leave with nothing. But if you come, amen, to receive, guess what? You're going to go home with something. Praise God. What we're going to do today is, uh, of course, we've been talking about, uh, you know, overcomers. And last week we talked about if God says you're an overcomer, you're an overcomer. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an overcomer. Hallelujah. If he says you're a new creation, you're a new creation. If he says you're a conqueror, you're a conqueror. Praise God. If he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If he says you're chosen, you're chosen. Praise God. Amen. And so we spent some time on that. And today we're going to go to chapter 5 of Romans. Chapter 5 of Romans today. And um, instead of going back to 1 John, we're going to go to Romans. Start there today. And uh, we're going to um, take a look at a text here. And uh, to be uh, really, real honest with you, um, it's actually one of my favorite topics and uh, uh, what we're going to talk about today. And so I'm, uh, I'm blessed and uh, feel excited that the Lord allowed me to go here today. And uh, so Romans chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse 17, if you will. Verse 17, and it says this. For if by one man's offense, now let's talk, of course, in context, talking about Adam, uh, you know, the first Adam, of course, and sometimes Jesus is referred to as the second Adam, uh, but there's a reason for it, all right? So the first Adam, in other words, Adam in the garden, okay, uh, one man's offense, in other words, sin or mistake, amen, death then reigned through the one. Much more those who receive, look at your neighbor and say, you need to be a receiver here. Say it real good. You need to be a receiver. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift. In fact, earlier in the text, uh, it says the free gift of righteousness. It says they will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Amen. They will reign. They will conquer. They overcome. Amen. In fact, we're going to define that here in a bit. Let's go ahead and read a little bit further down here. Verse 18 says, Therefore, kind of comes at it another way and says it again, Therefore, as through one man's offense, again, talking about Adam, uh, judgment came to all men. Judgment then came, all right, resulting in a thing called condemnation. Now, we've all experienced condemnation, shame, guilt, uh, any kind of inferiority, that kind of thing, because of a mistake made. And that's what happens, you know. So this offense happened. So now all of a sudden, uh, here it comes. Here comes the curse, the open door. The enemy now rushes in. And here comes a thing called condemnation. And even so, through one man's, talking about now Jesus, through one man's righteous act, how many believe what Jesus did was far greater than what Adam did? Let's try that one more time. How many in this house believe that what Jesus did far exceeded what Adam did. Yeah. Amen. Now we have to keep that in context or keep that in mind. So even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Okay, talking about righteousness, all right? The free gift came to all men, what? Resulting in a thing called justification of life, all right? The word justification here uh, the word justified, justification, righteous, righteousness is all the same Greek word, okay, but it's just based on how it's used in a sentence, but resulted in justification of life. Okay, now he explains it. He goes on here. Verse 19, 
All right. For as by one man's disobedience, just another way of saying it, one man's mistake, one man's disobedience, talking about Adam again, many were made sinners. Well, you think that way. That just doesn't even sound fair, does it? That one guy messed up and made it bad for all of us. Come on. One man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also, come on, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Everybody say, made righteous. Okay, will be made righteous. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. In other words, because of the law, you, you know what the mistake was. You know the boundaries. You know where the, where the error is. But where sin abounds, it says then that grace abounds much more. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness. Everybody say through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, grace is a good thing. The word grace, of course, uh, the Greek word is charis, which means, uh, you know, a gift, an endowment. It means <clears throat> a divine influence upon the heart. In fact, if you look it up in a concordance, that's exactly how it's worded. A divine influence upon the heart, and then it's reflection in your life. All right? So a divine influence. Now, the word influence just means the ability or the power to impact another, to uh, influence another to, uh, to imprint something upon another. So anytime, uh, you know, you're here today that the idea is that hopefully that today I can influence you, come on, imprint on you, impact you somehow or another, amen, with the Word of God. Now the way, the reason that uh, you can be influenced is because you're here or because you're listening or watching by internet. See, without, without you know, the connection, there's no influence. Now, it's just necessary, okay? So, what we're talking about, a grace and a divine influence, a, an influence from God that comes upon the heart of man, the core, the center of man, and thus then be reflected in his, his life, his actions, his words, amen, and on and on it goes. Now, it says in verse 21 that grace might reign through righteousness. Everybody say, through righteousness. So in other words, the righteousness basically has to get, you have to get a hold of that because that's how grace reigns. That's how grace can, can be what it does and do what it does. Come on, is through righteousness. Are we clear on that? So let's go back now to verse 17 and take a look at that and let's define all this. And then take, uh, and then let's let's grab hold of this thing, Amen. Because we're talking about being an overcomer and conquering in life, being what you're called to be in life, Amen. Not being overcome by everything that goes on in life, but be the one that knows how to overcome things, Amen. Well, one of those things it, it takes it takes a revelation or an insight of the fact that you're the righteousness of God. And so let's take a look at that. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, everybody say receive, those who receive abundance of grace. Now, I looked up the word abundance. Guess what, what it means? Abundance. Just thought I'd tell you that. Amen. That means a whole bunch. That means you ain't going to run out. Come on now. That means there's no limit. Amen. So there's an abundance of grace that's available. But he says you've got to be a receiver of it. Okay. So this word receive, 
Uh, it, it, it's a Greek word, lambano, okay? And it just means literally to seize it, to grab hold of it, to not let go, amen, to literally open up uh, and, and, and let it in, grab all that you have. It, it, just, it just means to seize it, amen. So seize what's yours. What's being offered? Well, first, an abundance of grace. And, come on, it connects it, and of the gift or the free gift, as we read, of righteousness. And it says when you do that, you will reign, it says you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, how many want to reign in life? All right, now, the word reign here, uh, it, means, uh, to, it means literally a rule in dominion or to obtain royal power. It means to exercise kingly influence and control. Kingly influence and control. Now, the Amplified Bible says it this way. It says that we're to reign as a king in life. All right? The uh, um, uh, CEV translation says that we will live and rule like kings. The Living Translation says that we are kings of life. Amen. Williams' translation says that we reign in real life. The New Living says that we live in triumph. The Phillips says that we should live our lives victoriously. The Message says grasp it, the sovereign life, with both hands, praise God. Now, the reason saying this, that according to uh, the Scriptures in Revelations 1, it says that we, under this new covenant, have been made to be kings and priests. Am I right? Okay, the word also tells us in, in 1 Peter 2, and I believe it's verse 9, and it brings out that you're a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Come on, somebody. A holy nation, a peculiar people, praise God. Amen. And so the thing that we're trying to bring out is we're supposed to reign in life as kings and priests under a new covenant. Are you still with me? So what's this word righteousness all about? If it's a, a gift, a free gift, then why is this so important? Well, the word righteousness means to be rendered right. It means right standing or to have right standing with. It means to have rights and privileges. It means to be justified. It even uses words like equity. Okay, in other words, that you have investment now. Because you connected, because you received Christ, the Word then says that you are now a new creation, that you have now been made, according to 2, Timothy, or 2 Corinthians, you've been made the righteousness of God. Amen. In fact, in this same text, and I believe it's like verse, is it verse 19? Let's see here. It says that because of what Jesus did, because of His obedience, many will be made righteous. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, you've been brought into a place of right standing already. A done deal. Is there anybody in here who has accepted Christ? All seven of you. Let's try that again. Anybody in here accepted Christ? It's not a trick question. All right, praise the Lord. And so if you've accepted Christ according to what He says, is that you've been made the righteousness of God based on what Jesus did. Now, for whatever it's worth, I think it's worth a lot here, that righteousness isn't about doing, it's about being. It's not about the actions, 
It's about identity. See, you are the righteousness of God. And if you will receive, go back to verse 17, if you will receive what he's offering, then it ain't long and you begin to become, amen, right? You become then what you believe and what you receive. Now, if you begin to believe the fact that you're the righteousness of God, and we're going to talk about this thing about reigning as a king in life, amen, if you will receive that, what will come out of that, praise God, is what the Bible calls the fruit of righteousness, which means now there's some doing and some action that comes out of a result of you receiving that you are the righteousness of God. And the more that you begin to bear the fruits of righteousness, right? Come on now. The more you begin to see God move in every area of your life, praise God. Are you still with me? But it starts with receiving, seizing what's yours. You are the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did, not because of anything you did I mean, really, to be honest, the only thing that you might be able to claim credit for was the fact that you said yes. And that could be debated. Right? Because the Scripture even says that the Spirit of God was the one drawing you. Come on. And somebody else obviously said something. You heard it. And according to the Scripture, you had your faith in. You, rele- you received by faith because of what was said. You heard the gospel message. You heard the truth. And so... Really, all you did was just as simple as it could, it could ever be. You just said, oh, okay. And it was that simple. And when you did that, the greatest miracle that could ever happen to a human being happened. A born-again experience. Amen. I mean, you didn't know, you didn't know anything. You, you didn't, I mean, all you did was heard somebody say, you can have this. You said, I want some of that. Right? That's all that happened. And so he's saying, now, the same way that you receive Christ, he wants you to receive this thing called abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Now, remember, grace reigns through righteousness. Okay, that's what he defines. So in other words, what you got to get first is really an understanding of righteousness if you're going to walk in the fullness of grace. We'll define that here in a bit. And that's why a lot of times people are missing out. I mean, the Word says you can, be, you can be driven off course of grace. The Word says that you can, literally, you can miss out on the grace of God. And most of the time, the reason being is because people struggle in their life that because of the mistakes, because of sin, because of the, uh, you know, the shortcomings in their life. Amen. The whole time God's offering a divine influence, but we're not receiving it because we're too busy beating ourselves up with condemnation, guilt, shame, inferiority, and the whole time he says, wait a minute, you've already have a way made. Jesus paid a price. You're the righteousness. I got the spits going on, something else. You get here in the lights and you just see it flying here. I better, I better back up, get everybody wet, you know. Amen. Jesus paid a price for you, praise God. Amen. It doesn't, it doesn't encourage sin. It doesn't justify sin. It doesn't condone sin. But what it does is it makes a way so you can walk free from sin, praise God. It ain't about being, uh, you know, overcome with sin. It's about overcoming sin, praise God. And the more you get a hold of what we're talking about today, the freer you get, praise God. Amen. Now, the reason that grace reigns through righteousness is righteousness has made a way. 
See, now the neat thing about the gospel message, the neat thing about the, what we'll call maybe the, the redemption package that's been given to you based on Christ. God, the whole purpose of it was to restore fellowship. If you stop and look at it, God says, I'm going to make a way where nothing can get in the way of my fellowship with people. Why? Because God is so in love with people. God's highest commodity is people. Amen. For God so loved the world, even before you knew Christ, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe it and receive it would not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that good news? Thank you for all that enthusiasm. That's good news. Now, Jesus made a way. So the whole time, God is trying to divinely influence you by the grace of God. But if you're, not, if you're always too embarrassed to go before God, or you're, you, you feel like, you know, God probably don't want to communicate with me, don't want to talk to me because of who, what I've done, or who, what I've been, or, or where I've come from, what I come out of, the thing I have going back here, that little skeleton in the closet, that little, uh, you know, elephant in the other room, that little thing over here, that little thing there, that thing I forgot to do, that thing I should have done. That's all it takes. One of those things and you're no longer looking up. You're no longer drawn in things. So the whole time God is trying to divinely influence you, to empower you, to strengthen you to do. And the whole time he's wanting to do that, you're ignoring him or running away from it or avoiding it. Is anybody hearing me? That's why grace reigns through righteousness. Still with me? All right. So verse 17 again. Receive. Abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. And if you will, it says here, if you receive that, it says you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Again, let's define that. It means, the word reign, to rule in a place of dominion and authority. To obtain royal power or to exercise kingly influence and control. As I dove into this word uh, years ago, and the reason it, it, it became so alive in me is um, as you, as you kind of go through and you get a, you know, a certain definition in your concordance, but then you get into lexicons and these things that kind of takes down each word and really just dissects it and shows you why and how come and just in depth what it brings out and the picture behind it. The word reign means the basis and the foundation of power. The basis and foundation of power. When you are reigning in life, you have the basis and literally the foundation of power when you get a hold of this. So when you start looking at receiving the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, means you already are at a place in your walk where you have the foundation of power. It means, amen, strength to govern. It means confidence to win. It means stability and that which will hold sway. In other words, no matter what comes against it, you're standing your ground. So when he's talking about if you will receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, it says you will reign in life 
No matter what life tries to throw your way, no matter what the enemy tries to do, no matter even what people try to do, no matter what kind of thing, what kind of weapon has been arrayed against you, know this, that if you will receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life, praise God. You will have stability. You will have the strength. Hallelujah. You will be able to, praise God, have the confidence to win that no matter what you're facing, you conquer, praise God. You overcome. Can I hear a big amen? Somebody give the Lord a praise. Come on. Now, uh, praise God. Just a couple statements and then we're going to move on here, all right? If, uh, you know, we want God to be the one to influence us. Is that right? Come on. So that's what grace is about. Now, if God's not the one influencing you, then what is? Just see what I'm saying? So the idea is we want God influencing. So we want to spend our time with God. We want to commune with God. And if Jesus made a way that we can always have time with God, somebody says, well, listen, if you're blowing it, making mistakes and sin, God don't want to. No, stop, 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 stop. You don't think God don't know about the mistakes? You don't think God don't know about the, you know, the sin? And the word sin just means that, you know, to know to do good and not do it. So when the Bible says don't worry and you know it says don't worry and you still worry, See, it wasn't, we, we look at it and say, well, it's that, it's that guy over there that's got all the issues. No, it could just be you. Come on, you not wanting to trust God. You not wanting, you know, to believe God in something. So the point being made is we all need to hear this. And the point being made is, praise God, Jesus made a way that no matter what is trying to cause you to back up on your confidence and assurance in God, he made a way so at any given time you could go before God. Why? Because if anybody knows the answers, it's God. If anybody knows how to get you past it, it's God. If anybody knows how to get you delivered, it's God. If anybody knows how to, how to turn that thing around, it's God. Thank you very much. So the idea is he made a way so at any given time you can come before him. Well, somebody says, well, if you keep doing that, you just give people a license to sin. No, like one brother says, you, you've been doing a good enough job without a license for that. You don't need a license. Come on. We, we, we did, we're real good at that kind of stuff. We don't need a license to sin. Come on, somebody. The point is he made a way, in a sense, gave you a license to get free from it by righteousness. All right. Now. Let's see, where do we want to go with this? The cool thing about righteousness, maybe I'll just bring this up. The cool thing about righteousness, according to the gospel message uh, in, in Romans 1, it tells us that, that through the gospel, okay, that righteousness is revealed. See, part of the good news is not just that Jesus paid a price for your sin. Part of the good news is the fact that you're the righteousness of God. That's part of the good news. That's good news. I mean, I'm forgiven, praise God, amen. Now, somebody said, well, you know, it's just that you're forgiven. It's more than just being forgiven because there's a lot of people that get saved and they said, he's, for he's forgiven me. And then you go on three days later and you blow it again. And then for some reason, we all think God's now mad at us. He only loves you when you, you know, when you get saved and that's it. But once you start messing up after that, it's a, ugh. Is anybody hearing me? See, it's silly. It's silly. God loves you when you are a rank sinner. And you think he's going to stop loving you when you get saved because you still blow it once in a while? It just don't make sense. So the message of righteousness is a part of the gospel message. 
And it says that it's revealed from faith to faith. Chapter 3 of Romans brings out the fact that this righteousness that we receive, it says it is, it is to all and on all who will receive it. And he goes in that whole text says, and we all need it. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the whole thing, even in that, uh, you know, a lot of times gets kind of hammered on a lot. Uh, if, you, if you look in that text um, in Romans 3 there, it, it, it brings out the whole thing he's dealing with is the righteousness of God. And, he, and then he says that, you know, you, we've all blown it. We've all come short. And it never, it's, it, it's not the start of a sentence and it's not the finish of a sentence. It's in the middle of a sentence. And it goes on then to finish about the fact that you're, in, you're the righteousness of God. He made a way. We all need what's been offered, but we have to receive it. Is everybody still with me? Now, I'm heading somewhere with this, but we've got to get, got, got to get a hold of this. Romans 10 brings out, I'm just kind of some places in Romans here. Romans 10, I believe it's verse 3, brings out that we're not to be seeking after our own righteousness. Oh, yuck. Right? The Word says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. Look at your neighbor and says, yours too. <laughs> See, it ain't about, it ain't about what, what you've done to get all this. But the Word says that we're to submit ourselves to His righteousness. Amen. So the idea is He's the one that made us in a place of right standing with Him. Praise God. It ain't about trying to earn it or trying to somehow get God to love us more or get God to accept us more. The idea is why don't you just receive what He's offered? And if you do that, all of a sudden all that other stuff starts shifting and changing. Man, when I got saved, you know, I was a stinker. Had a lot of issues. <sighs> a lot of issues. And, uh, you know, as I, you know, came into the things of God and began to hear some things, all of a sudden, you know, some of that stuff just automatically kind of fell off. Praise the Lord. You know, that fell off and this fell off. I stopped doing that, stopped doing this. And I still had, still had some things and struggles and, I mean, even after, man, even after I knew Christ, I still ended up with two DUIs, even after knowing Christ. Served time in jail after I knew Christ. People say, well, yeah, it didn't stick. Yes, it did. Uh-huh. Yes, it did. Come on now. It stuck. But it was going from faith to faith. From glory to glory, I mean, grace upon grace, from strength to strength, that process, I just kept learning, I kept growing. Pretty soon the alcohol fell off. I told one brother the other day, I mean, the last thing was tobacco. I love, I love dipping snuff, man. That was like, I liked it. And uh, I even moved to Oregon and still was snuffing. Yeah, yeah, one day I'm, in the, I'm standing over a trash can after I loaded up my lip and kind of cleaning off all the excess around my lip because, you know, I wouldn't want to have that stuff, you know, all over my face and look ugly. So kind of, you know, spitting all the stuff out that need to go and just kind of, you know, getting ready. And the Spirit of God says, what are you doing? Literally, what are you doing? Now, you know, like I told my brother the other day, you know, 
you know, when God asks you, uh, you know, a question, it's not because he don't know the answer. <laughs> he wants to know, do you know the answer? And that, at this particular time, I'm, I'm, I mean, last time, I mean, I'm full-blown saved, man. I'm, I'm to the core, man. I'm witnessing and soul winning and telling people about how God can set them free and what God will do. And woo, man, we were excited. We were, I mean, we got even communion services going on at work. And we got prayer times and, and praying for people and all kinds of stuff. And here I am loaded up a, a lip with, with tobacco. And the Spirit of God says, what are you doing? And I'm thinking to myself, hmm. And he says, you're telling everybody how I can set them free, and you're not even free from this little powdery stuff you shove in your lip. And I got it. And I, I, right there, I just spit it all out, and I was done. Never had a craving since. Not even one. And the point being is this. Nobody had to shove their finger in my face and tell me how I'm all bound up and all this and that. Come on, it was just a matter of, of just constantly moving toward God, giving God liberty to speak into my life. And all he had to do is just make one statement, what you doing? Yeah, one word from God to change your life forever. And I was done, I was free. All right, the power of God was there. The grace of God was there, amen. And, and really to stop and think about it, but one for the revelation by that time of the fact that I'm the righteousness of God, I might have just been all beat up. I can't ever get past this stuff. I just I, I have such a hard time. I'm such a poor example. Oh, my God, what's my problem? I just have issues. Some people, that's where they go. But you need a revelation of righteousness. You get into revelation of righteousness, you look up and you go, Lord, you know, that is stupid. That's pretty dumb of me. You're right. And all of a sudden, the power of God's there to do it. You walk free. The next thing you know, you're moving on in more of God, bearing more of the fruits of righteousness. Praise God. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Amen. Now, all right, let's, let's go. We got to go uh, to our next text and kind of come at this uh, from another angle, but at the same time, talking about reigning in life as kings and priests, amen, reigning in life, amen. So we're going to go to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to go to chapter uh, 32, I believe it is, 32 of Isaiah. Are you doing okay today? And I know I didn't need to share all that with you, but the idea is just to show you that, you know, if, if, if you get a revelation and, and just receive that you're in right standing with God, it's amazing what God can begin to do in your life, Amen. But if we're constantly riddled, remember now, as we talked earlier, you know, it talked about where, where sin and death reigns, and then all of a sudden, here comes condemnation, because that's the ploy of the enemy. He gets you to slip and fall because you know better, because it ain't sin unless you know better. Otherwise, it's just a mistake. Come on. Not every mistake is sin, but every sin is a mistake. Are you hearing me? It's just a point because it needs to be made. So okay, all of a sudden, you know what you should be doing and you're not. So the devil's like, he's like, <laughs> hey, you need to be doing more of this. And you go, okay. And you do it. And then all of a sudden, whap, he comes at you and goes, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did that. That's how he works. That's how it always works. So he convinces you to go down this road, you go down that road, then he condemns you the rest of the day because you went down the road. 
And he knows it, that if he can condemn you, if he can get you full of shame and guilt, you'll never receive the grace that's available. So, let's look at it. Isaiah 32 and verse 1. Now, this whole text here, um, in fact, even my, mine even uh, has a kind of a subtitle of this called A Reign of Righteousness, uh, is mine anyway, what mine says. And uh, the reason being is because it's talking about a day ahead coming, a day that's coming, a day ahead, amen, about this thing called righteousness and reigning in righteousness is the day that we're living in right now based on what Jesus did. So it says, it just gives an understanding of it. Behold, now stop and take a look here. A king will reign in righteousness. And princes, okay, will rule with justice. Okay, so a king will reign, but a prince will rule. There's a difference. Okay, so a king will reign, and it says, in righteousness. A prince will rule with justice. So let's define it, okay? Because it starts giving us un understanding here. All right, so a king will reign. That just means one ascending to the throne or one receiving one's position is what it means. So a king reigns. A king will reign. A king will just ascend to his position, take his role, take his position. Amen. Uh, a prince, though, will rule, okay? The word a prince will rule means one striving for position. A king just takes his position. A prince is performance-minded, trying to get a position. Are you with me? Now, it says that a prince will rule with justice. Okay, this word justice. Now, it's always good to give some definition because it makes the word kind of open up here. The word justice means judgment or judicial sentence. But it means that which is based on what one deserves or one has earned. So a prince, the way a prince operates, the mentality is performance-minded. I do whatever I can to get a better position. I'm going to try to be the top dog. I'm going to try to go to the top. I'm going to try this. And so does this, does that, does this, does that, does this, does this. Whereas a king don't even think that way. A king just receives his position. Now he's telling you, you're supposed to reign in life as a king. You're not a prince trying to rule based on what's earned or what's deserved. It's the difference between relationship and religion. The difference between relationship and religion. It literally comes down to being righteous-minded or performance-minded. It's, it's, here's the difference, too. Between knowing Him or just, come on, just saying that you know about Him. There's a big difference. Okay, so, uh, but the main one, I think, is the best way to describe it is the difference between relationship and religion. Religion's out there trying to do whatever it takes to earn Amen. When the whole time God says, you don't need to earn it, you've already got it. And the more relationship you have with God, the more you realize, wait a minute, he's already paid the price for me. 
And the more I realize it, the more I run to him, the more I spend time with him, the more I move toward him. And as I draw toward him, he draws toward me. And here comes that divine influence upon my heart. And as I move forward in life, that, that, that divine influence then begins to be reflected in my life. And pretty soon I'm walking it. I'm talking it. I'm acting it. Come on, somebody. I'm being it. Praise God. All because I spent time with him and allowed him to empower me. Otherwise, I'm too busy trying to earn there's a lot of people trying to earn, trying to get God to love them more. You can't get God to love you anymore and He already loves you. It ain't going to happen. He's already pretty much in love with you all the way. Smile real big at your neighbor and say, yeah, even you. Isn't that the truth? That's good news. You know, you're, you're accepted. You, know, God, you, you can't get any more accepted with God than you already are right now. You can't get any more accepted. Look at your neighbor say, even you. Come on, you can't get any more accepted than you are right now. The price is paid. The problem is he can't get his people to just receive it. They're too busy trying to earn it, trying to strive for position instead of just receiving their position. And we're going to show you why this is so important. Let's get a little bit further down the chapter here, and we're going to go to like verse 16 now because he's, he's dealing with all this, but then he kind of sums some, some of this up. In verse 16, it says, Then justice, ever say justice, there's that word again, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remains in the fruitful field. Hmm. So justice, in other words, if, you're gonna, if it's all going to be based on you trying to earn or you're about performance-minded, it says that where you, where you dwell then is in a wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but this wilderness just don't sound like a place to hang out. In fact, when you look it up, it isn't. It means a desert. It speaks of, of a sense of an open field or pasture, but it, it uses the word speech. But what it's referring to is in a sense of driving. In other words, it's constantly something is driving, having to drive. You're trying to drive. It speaks of a hard life, constantly having to her, uh, push it and go. Come on. Wizard of Oz or something like that. I don't know. Ben-Hur, that's a good one. That will do that one, right? Just a lot of work. But when you, when you live by, by that, if it's based on what you're trying to earn, what you're trying to gain, it's going to be a lot of work for you. And you're going to find that the, at the end of the whole thing, you didn't gain any more. Let's try it one more time. You're going to get to the end of that road, and you're going to think, and, and you're going to find out you didn't gain any more. You didn't get God to love you anymore. You didn't God to accept you anymore. And all you did was strain and struggle, and you're dwelling in the, in the wilderness. But it says righteousness. Now remember, a king reigns in righteousness. And righteousness, if you will operate in that, you'll remain in the fruitful field. Everybody say remain. 
That's good stuff. Remain in the fruitful field. It literally means that which has been planted. It speaks of a full garden, an orchard, a full vineyard, a park-like setting. It speaks of plentiful. In other words, it's talking about Eden. The good life is when those that will reign in life as a king, they reign in righteousness. Why? Because they already know they're accepted. They already know they have an inroad with God. They commune with God without any sense of trying to earn something, trying to gain something, trying to work for something. You just receive it. And when you do that, there's that abundance of grace that the whole time has been towards you. Now, as praise God, is, in, is impacting and imprinting on your heart. And as you move along in life, it's amazing how you get transformed from glory unto glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord, being transformed into that image, praise God. Why? Because all you did was keep receiving. You made a decision to just Take your position. You're the righteousness of God. Take your position. Now it begins to define righteousness. So verse 17 says, The work of righteousness will be peace. Okay, the work. Let's define it. The word work here means the working of it or the action or transaction of it. He even uses words like the operation of or occupation of. In other words, so the working of righteousness will be peace. Are you still with me? Now, how many say that's probably a better thing to have? Still with me? Come on, let's let it, let's, let's let it unfold. The word peace here again, the Hebrew word shalom, right? All right, the word shalom, which means wholeness means prosperity, happiness, safety, health, everything made whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken, everything working. Speaks of complete divine order. So the working of righteousness brings you into a place of peace. Well, because you're hanging out in a fruitful field. You're not trying to, you know, strain and struggle. You're just out there plucking fruit. Come on now. A king just takes his position. And when you take your position, all the rest of it starts falling into place. So the work of righteousness will be peace, but it says then the effect of righteousness. So the word effect means the tillage or product of, the purpose of or its results. Okay. So the effect of righteousness it says, brings out two things, quietness and assurance forever. Now, the word quietness means to be at rest or repose. It literally speaks of uh, that which renews, restores, or brings refreshment. So if you will stay in, you know, an opera, let the effects of righteousness take its place, it's like as if, it's like as if you're just allowing, you're kind of resting in that garden, praise God, and the whole time, praise God, you're being refreshed. Amen. Now somebody says, does that mean we don't have to do anything? No, it just means that if you stay locked on in Him, it's amazing how you constantly stay restored, you stay refreshed, you stay empowered. But when you're over here straining and struggling to try to get, you're, you've turned away. In fact, you know that the, what makes the difference between grace and the law is what we're talking about today. 
The law is about everything about your power in your ability. You trying to get it. You trying to earn it. You trying to do it. He says anytime you do that, he says literally says that you've walked away from grace when you're trying to get it all in your power. But when you will stop and just receive your position in him and just move toward him, all of a sudden, praise God, all the effects of being in that place and in that position begins to take effect. And man, you're being restored and empowered and you can go on and love God and serve God and keep on praising. Hallelujah. No matter what comes your way, you're reigning in life. Praise God. Woo! Quietness. And a thing called assurance. That's a pretty big word there. It means confidence. It means security and boldness. Get this. It means a confident demeanor. A confident demeanor. A cool composure. Coolness. Yeah. There wasn't a cooler cat than Jesus. Coolest cat that walked on the planet. He had a revelation of this. Constantly went to God. He said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. What's that mean? Well, it means I, I hang out with him. He tells me. He shows me. I just keep doing it. And as I do it, I'm always empowered. He said, my food and my, and my uh, uh, sustenance, amen, is to do the will of God. And, and, and the more that he leads and guides, the more I do, it just keeps on refueling me, re sustaining me. And I just keep on going and never get tired, never get wore out. Come on, somebody, just keep on doing. Come on now. So a confident uh, demeanor, a cool composure, it speaks of poise. Here we go. Presence of mind and dignity of manner. All that come out of this thing called confidence or assurance. Still with me? This is the effects of it. So here, you know, you, 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 know, you come back then to uh, Romans chapter uh, 5 again, verse 17. And he says, listen, if you will just receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you'll start reigning in life. Through the one Jesus Christ. All of a sudden it starts working. All of a sudden you're not straining to get past that issue. Some of the biggest problems I've seen with people dealing with addictions in their life. You're too busy fighting the addiction. Stop it. Listen, any time that you go into warfare with sin, sin has home court advantage. So he says, you're just saying to go out and sin. No, but when you are attacking sin just for the sake of attacking sin, thinking, I will not, I will not, I will not do that again. Oh, dang it, I did it again. I will not, I will not, I will, oh, I did it again. And it just pummels you. But you just go hang out with him a little bit. And all of a sudden he says, hey, what you doing? And it's amazing how all of a sudden when God starts talking about something, how the grace of God, that empowerment of God, in fact, some places in the Bible refers to grace as the strength of God, as the power of God, 
and as the hand of God. So anytime there's strength, power, or the hand of God, you know there's grace available. Now let's just reverse that. Anytime you know there ain't no strength, ain't no power, ain't no hand of God, you're missing out on grace. Which means then you're not, you're not hanging out with the source of grace and you're not allowing a divine influence to come upon you. And usually it's because of a thing called condemnation, shame, guilt, and those kind of things. And that's the fact. There ain't no other place you want to hang out with than with God, in the presence of God. That's where Eden is. That's why Eden's no longer a physical place. It's now a place that you can have anywhere you go. The fruitful field. Did you hear me? So you receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of... It says you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Okay, let's, let's start bringing this down to the, to the uh, finish here. So... Let's look at this now in the context of some of the things we've learned today. So um, James 5 and 16 talks about that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. See, if you think righteousness is about doing, then you think that that guy... See, a lot of times we mix righteousness and holiness, Two different things. One is about doing and one is about being. So remember, if you're a righteous man, you're going to walk with some assurance. Come on, some confidence. So why then is this make it so? Because he's talking about here having confidence in your prayer life. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He's got confidence. It's like, Man, I mean, you know, the Word says that when you go before God, the Word says He'll hear you. And if you have confidence that He hears you, then you know that you will have the petitions that you've asked of Him. You will know it. Why? Because you know He heard you. But if you're going, going, well, God, I don't know if you, if you, got, if you got a little time. and if you, I know, oh, gosh. I don't know. You know I, God, you'll spend most of your time going, God, forgive me. I'm such a loser, I'm such a this, I'm such a that. And you're trying somehow in there, you're going in here thinking you're trying to constantly make yourself right so God will even remotely hear you. The whole time, God's wanting to... And you're busy going, oh. That's why when people, it's sad to me, but they'll walk out of their prayer time, be more, uh, more depressed coming out of prayer than they went in. And you should be coming out of prayer going, Woo! Hooah! And all it took was just some moments. It ain't some, you know, I got to make sure I say it right. Durst thou knowest, Lordeth, that ieth, loveth youeth. Willeth youeth, pleeth. Helpeth meeth. Well, some people think if you, you know, when you go to God, you got to talk Elizabethan English. And I'm thinking, is that how you talk to people? Well, no. Let's stop talking to God. That's just a bunch, you know, it's a bunch of hooey. Amen. Just talk to God like you talk to me. And some of you, are, you know, have no problem with that. <laughs> I'm all right. So anyway, the point is, 
Amen. So what happens, that means that now you have some confidence in your prayer life. So now you go in there because, man, I'm the righteousness of God. God's hearing what I'm saying. And because God hears what I say, I know that I have the petitions that I've asked of him. Come on, somebody. Are you still with me? Um, I'm thinking, uh, let's see here. Let's, uh, uh, Ephesians 6 is a good one. Remember the armor of God? Well, it says, you know, it says, you know, stand against the wiles of the devil, you know, and that's our, that's our stand against the demonic realm. And, and you put on that armor, praise God. And one of those pieces of armor is that breastplate of righteousness. What's that? Why is that so important? Because you have confidence in your stand against darkness. And you know who you are. You're, you're not trying to, trying to somehow convince yourself or somehow maneuver or manipulate to try to get something to work. You just kind of receive your position, take your stand who you are. Why? Because you got your breastplate on. Now, of course, you want more than just a breastplate. But in text, what we're talking about, we're dealing with righteousness. Are you still with me? So you have confidence. That's why it's so important. Amen. If you don't have confidence, then the chances are you're going to be, you know, your, your warfare is going to be limited. Okay, let's try another. Let's see if we can find one here you like. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about awaking to righteousness and sinning not. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Did you notice it said first, awake to righteousness? See, God's not asking you to sin. Remember the, remember the, the lady got caught in the very act of adultery. <gasps> they brought, him to, brought her to Jesus, didn't bring the guy. I don't know how, maybe he escaped. Chances are it was one of their buddies. I said, chances are it was probably one of her buddies. They just, you know, I said, we'll, just, we'll just take her. So they take her to Jesus. Here she is laid out in front of him. Well, according to the law, we've got to stone this woman. What do you think, Jesus? Hmm. Coolest cat on the planet. Starts doodling on the ground. You know, you know, a, lot of, a lot of you know, speculation of what he was writing, if he was writing anything. He might have just been doodling. Here's the sun. Here's the house. quietness and assurance come on he's just cool as again well what was he doing in that time is it just for the sake of doodling got his ear out there he gets the word of the lord stands up and he goes yeah he without sin cast the first stone Huh? So what happens? It said from the from the oldest to the youngest. <laughs> That's probably yeah, the smartest to the stupidest. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But anyway, the point is that from the oldest to the youngest, they all started departing. She's still down, kind of quivering on the ground down here. And Jesus says, "Hey, woman, where's your accusers?" Looks up and goes around. Well, they're all gone. He says, "Well, I'm not accusing you either, but go and sin no more." Don't do it anymore because you just opened the door for this mess. Jesus wasn't condoning sin, but he says if you would awake to who you are, awake to righteousness and sin not. You'll just you'll be amazed that when you awake to righteousness, pretty soon it's like, that's not me. I don't do that anymore. 
right? All right, all right, all right. How about one more? Why not? Hebrews 5 and 13, I thought this was pretty good. I'm just, I've just taken where it talks about righteousness. That's all. That's all I'm doing. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Okay, so we're talking about are your growth and your development. Amen. We're talking about maturing and growing. So he says if you're, if you're not going to walk in the word of righteousness, there's a good chance that you're just going to be on a sucky bottle the rest of your life. It's the truth. Because anytime you start trying to move forward in something, because you're too busy trying to be performance-minded, it's inevitable you fall on your face again. And it's inevitable, here comes condemnation, guilt, and shame. So you never get past it. So, you, you know, just get a picture of that. Without a revelation of what we're talking about, it's like you walk around constantly with a sucky bottle, a binky. You don't like that picture? Maybe something else. Uh, I'm just saying, it's time to get out of the nursery. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature. It's time to be developed in God and who He's made you to be. And the only way that's going to really come into fullness is by you receiving your position, amen, that you're the righteousness of God based on what Christ did, amen. And when you do that, here comes, praise God, the opportunity for that abundance of grace to influence your heart and be reflected in your life, and you keep on growing and you keep on developing and you start fulfilling who you are in Christ. Why? Because of the fact you know I'm in right standing with an almighty God, that no matter what I go through, no matter what's going on, I know I can go to Him and be empowered any moment of the day. And if I do that, I will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Well, I hope I didn't bore you today. Hallelujah. Did you get something today? Hallelujah. We're overcomers. We're conquerors. We reign in life. Hallelujah. That's who we are. Praise God. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Appreciate you letting me get that far with it today. And hopefully next week we'll... Kind of dive into this thing, go a little bit further, start talking a little bit about this thing called grace. We'll see what happens, but kind of feeling like that's where we're leaning. Um, because it's, it's all available. It's all available. He just wants to know if you'll receive it. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you'd like to receive Jesus, and receive all that we're talking about today. Amen. You might as well just do that. Amen. So if you're here today and you haven't done that and you'd like to do that, I would love to be able to pray for you. Amen. So if you're there, if you're in here today and you've never accepted Christ, amen, you, you want some of this in your life, praise God. If you, you want Jesus in your life, if you want to be the righteousness of God, amen, if you want to walk in the things we talked about today, then you need to receive Jesus. Amen. And so if you want to receive Jesus today, and I don't know, I have some, some people in here I don't know, so if you're in here and you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, just kind of wave at me if you're in here. Anybody in here today? Everybody know Jesus? Got a poll, pass the polls, combs the audience, scopes back. 
Okay, so I'm assuming you all know Jesus. So then I'm also assuming that you're the righteousness of God. And I'm also assuming that you have readily available unto you a thing called abundance of grace. So lift your hands towards heaven. Father, we give you praise for a divine influence upon our hearts and its reflection in our life. Thank you for your word, for these principles today, that we are the righteousness of God based on what Jesus has done for us. That part of our redemption package is that fellowship restored, that at any given time, any moment, we could move towards you, draw near unto you with the promise that you would draw near to us. No matter the mistakes, the shortcomings, the issues, the problems, the past, no matter, we know, amen, we have a place in your presence. And for that, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.